For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Uh, welcome back to Hertel. You ever heard the old joke about folks with two first names? He's got two last names, but he's a good friend of the program. He's been here before. Happy to have him back. Cooper Conway is rejoining us. Going to talk a little education with him. How have you been, sir? I am doing fantastic. Enjoying my summer, and I hope that you are doing the same. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, well, if you got kids like me, summer's over next week because we got school and football starting. So, uh, in fact, they're doing band practice right now. So, some everybody's like, summer's not over. Like, if you got kids, summer's over. Sorry to break it to you. Uh, let's talk some, uh, education. We talked this topic with you before, but you take a different point. Um, part of the private school experience in America traditionally has always been through, uh, religious education, church schools. Let's start big picture though, before we delve into specifics here, this has a long tradition in America. People may not realize Harvard, Yale, those were all started as church schools. Um, churches, most in small town America throughout the early 17th, 18th, 19th century, usually the church and the school is the same building a lot of times because that's the only place you could have for such things. Um, there's a long tradition here. We understand it's changed. What has changed? What part of that tradition applies now? What part of it doesn't before we get into the specifics of what's going on now? Because we got to know where we've been to really talk about where we're going, right? Yeah, I would say that the school started off um, definitely more Protestant as more immigrants came into the country. That started to change um, to the point where now our uh, our public schools are now um, secular. However, um, they are not value neutral by any means. And so now you're seeing debates um, happening between parents all over the country in terms of what values we want to instill in our children. And for me, I think that this is um, something that we do. It's going to take a long time to work through, but that school choice is a way that we can ease the tensions on um, these curriculum dates, debates, these culture wars, if you will. Um, and I think that right now the church has an opportunity with recent um, SCOTUS rulings to step into this um, space and the, into the education sector like they haven't been able to do in a long time and um, help out some families. Now, let's do some nomenclature real quick for folks, because you said the church. The problem with is even among let's even take a small slice of let's even take a small slice, just say conservative evangelical voters, because that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Right. Even amongst that, you're talking dozens of denominations. You're talking about, you know, untold amount of different traditions when it comes to schooling, traditions, standards of dress, standards of worship. This is not a monolith, even though they kind of vote together as a group and they have shared values. Go through the nomenclature real quick, especially for the Protestants, because, you know, Catholic school is probably pretty much a Catholic school. You know, Jewish school is going to be pretty uniform, although you have ultra orthodox and things like this. Um, I'm sure our Muslim friends have the same problems, but you can't just say the church, can you? Because it gets even more complicated just doing that, doesn't it? 
yeah, we could go into the different intricacies of the belief system of the, um, of the I guess you could say, Christian right. Um, that could be a whole other podcast. We could make a movie or a book. We could write a book on it if you really want to. Uh, I'm just going to say the church generally can step up. Um, it doesn't matter. I'm fine with whatever those beliefs may be. Um, say it's a, it's like you said, a Jewish school or a Catholic school, uh, Protestant, evangelical, um, whatever that may be. I think there's a newfound opportunity because of the different types of schooling um, that's being created because of the pandemic, where before we would have thought of private schools um, as just kind of like a public school, but with some kind of religious values. Um, but now we have the opportunity to use um, the churches can step into the sector and create micro schools or learning pods or help with hybrid homeschooling um, and using some of their um, some of the, the help that they have in that community um, to help the children in that community in their church or even outside of their church as well. Now, we saw some of this. You brought up the the uh, pandemic. Uh, nothing happens in a vacuum. It happens in a sequence. Education forever changed during the pandemic. I don't think people realize this yet because not just the parents, the students got taught something. They got taught their cogs in a wheel now. We mm-hmm. saw a lot of this, people trying pods, people trying uh, micro schools, people trying different things. Uh, we know from the numbers, private schools, uh, religious and otherwise, the enrollments went up in a lot of areas. We've got a little bit of space now. Has those trends continued or do you think they've eased off? And do you think the issues raised during COVID are continuing or are they starting to abate a little bit? Yeah, those trends are really continuing. Uh, I'm not for sure the numbers on in terms of private um, religious schools particularly, but I can tell you right now that a lot of um, public schools, especially inner city public schools, are having their enrollment decline um, at a rapid pace. And I think this isn't necessarily, it's just because parents for the first time because of the pandemic have seen that there's other options that they can take advantage of. And people do really like their public schools. Gallup has been doing polling um, for the past two decades on how parents feel about their eldest child's education. And those numbers have never um, dipped below 67% in terms of their satisfaction, which is really high numbers. Um, And even Ed Choice had a recent poll where it said, if uh, the money and the travel wasn't an issue, what would be your first choice? And parents still um, chose public schools pretty overwhelmingly as their first choice at like 41% then private schools was around 30 um, to 40% as well. And it kind of just um, went down the line with the different types of education uh, models that are now available. However, parents do know that those other education options are available. And so they're going to continue to try and take advantage of those, especially if they feel like their child isn't being served um, to their highest uh, capabilities in the public school. Um, Cooper Conway joining us, talking a little education as he is wont to do when he makes appearances. Let's be real here. Okay, part of what happened during the pandemic was and this is both a uh, slam and a uh, cautionary tale. Let's just be honest. This is the first time a lot of parents paid attention to what their kids were doing in schools because they're online. So now all of a sudden they can see the teachers. They can see the curriculum. They're actually got it in their face and they've got to deal with it. That's to their shame if they weren't involved before that. But it is what it is. That's the first time that a lot of parents really saw what was going on in schools. That's an enormous factor in the things you just talked about, though, isn't it? That it's just the awareness changed, the information level changed, and that's what's driving a lot of this reaction, isn't it? It is a, it's a factor. It's so large. I don't even think I can um, understand it if I tried. And I, and I want to tell you, the first time that I really saw this happen was I was um, interning for a local think tank in Oregon at the beginning of 2020, and uh, Oregon's governor shut down the public schools. 
and said that the public schools will transition to an online format. However, the public schools had a little bit of trouble transitioning while the online public charter schools already had the infrastructure in place. And so many parents immediately transferred over into these online public charter schools. However, there's this kind of this arbitrary cap where only 3% of the students um, per district can transfer into these schools, right? And so a lot of families um, hit the cap and they realized they couldn't get into these schools. And so they um, sent letters to the state legislature trying to overturn this cap to allow their children to be able to go to school with some type of online infrastructure available instead of just kind of um, twiddling their thumbs at home, if you will. And it took only one letter from the teachers union to really just shut down this idea. The parents weren't able to transfer um, their students into public online charter schools um, that are free, open, and available to all. And uh, I know that online schooling isn't the um, the answer for most children, but it was still something, it was something compared to nothing that they were being offered at the moment. And so parents said, well, maybe we are just kind of a number. And uh, they, they started saying that the public schools may not be on their side as they previously thought they were. Here's the argument that you're going to hear pushed against this. I know you've dealt with this because I've seen you do other media where you feel this, but we need to address it because it's a fair point to make. Yeah. The argument that comes from uh, the education folks that are very pro-public school. And by the way, I'm not anti-public school. I just want them to be better. And if you love something, you hold it accountable. I need We need accountability in public school. The argument is whether it's a charter school, public or private, or a private church school, uh, the enrollments are dropping. Funding is tied to enrollment. So every time they drop an enrollment, public schools lose funding. So vis-a-vis, -vis, every time somebody goes to these charter schools, we're hurting the public schools. That's the argument. There is validity to the argument, but how do we address that if you're going to be for school choice? Yeah. Well, the, if you're for school choice, you should always ask the question. Um, school choice shouldn't be a problem for any public school at all if the public school is serving that child um, perfectly, right? And the child doesn't think that there's a better option out there. However, we have introduced competition into the market. And so if a parent and their um, a parent and guardian of the child think that thinks that there's a better option, they're going to take it. However, once these private school choice programs are put into place, in 25 of 28 studies, the public school students' test scores actually go up uh, because of the competition is what is theorized. Um, also, the students who are able to access these private school choice programs, their test scores go up. But we know that school uh, that test scores aren't necessarily um, the only thing that parents are looking for. Um, also, there's been uh, shown to be higher perceptions of safety from these parents. There's higher civic values once these school choice programs are implemented. Students go on to graduate high school and college at higher levels as well. Um, and so really, it's kind of the rising tide that lifts all boats because competition is making everyone to be better because they do want to hold on to these dollars. Yeah. Cooper Conway joining us. We're going to dig into this a little bit more. He's got a piece out of American Conservative. We're going to dig into that. Got some interesting numbers in here, especially when it comes to test scores, civic literature civic literacy, which I could say if I had proper civic training, sorry, dad, uh, perceived safety and other issues. We're going to dig into this a little bit. I'm going to work on my pronunciation. He's going to bring the knowledge. Cooper Conway continuing on her tell right after this.
A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back to her tell Cooper Conway joining us, having a great conversation offline. We had to hit the record button, get back online because I enjoy talking to my friend. All right. There's some specifics into education we just have to deal with here. here. Here's a problem. We do this with the gun debate, abortion debate, pick any hot button issue we have. We want to talk about it in a vacuum like nothing else around it ever affects it. We talk about culture wars things this way, like nothing else around affects it. If you have school-aged children and you're a family with school-aged children, that dominates your life. Like everything in your life revolves around your school-aged children. It just does if you're a halfway decent parent anyway. Here's the problem, and you touch on it. When you're dealing with things like test scores, you're dealing with things like educational attainment, you're dealing with things like school safety, amount of effects and social things that go into them that doesn't actually show up on a test score or a funding spreadsheet. How do we have a better big picture view of these things? Because I think part of the problem with school choice is we start pitting people against each other that really shouldn't be against each other because they can't get the bigger picture that they're not adversaries at all. Is that a fair way to frame this? Because I think we put these down in the silo holes and then we just want to shoot intercontinental ballistic missiles at each other like the Russians and the U.S. back in the Cold War. And it's mutually assured destruction and there's nothing in the middle. There's a lot of middle here, isn't there? Yeah, there is a lot of middle. Um, the thing about school choice is that it's wildly popular. Um, the polling on it recently has been um, around 70%, and that crosses partisan, um, racial, and ethnic lines. And But the thing is, they're also, you know, teachers are seen, teachers' unions, I should say, are seen as kind of this adversarial force um, against the, the school choice movement. But the teachers themselves, we are on the side of. Um, I come from uh, my dad was a private school teacher and a public school teacher. My grandparents were public school teachers. And so really we're trying to create this broad coalition um, that is able to advance an education reform that should, um, that's not a panacea, it's not a silver uh, It's not a silver bullet, but it should have substantial increases for the individual child. And that's what we're going for because not every school is gonna be perfect for a kid. And the one size fits all um, approach that we've been taking with the public school system um, just hasn't been working out as well as we thought it would. We have increased funding by 150% since 1960 um, per pupil, um, adjusted for inflation, but our test scores have pretty much um, flatlined. And so it's time to see, maybe we can do something different here um, while still supporting families, students, and the teachers as well as one whole community. Because that's kind of the thing with school choice is that I see it as a, as a pro-family policy because you're putting the parents in charge of an education that is their child. And parents know their child best, as you mentioned. 
And also they're gonna know like what teachers are gonna um, break through and kind of ignite that spark um, for the learning that they hope to see um, for their child to find their passion. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. you just brought it up let's just go there though part of the problem here is and we just there was headlines this morning i was just reading another piece we are having massive teacher shortages in this country matt like like crisis level teacher shortages this isn't just affecting kids we are pumping more money than ever in the schools it's not just the kids that aren't getting a good proper education out of it the teachers are getting burnt out and don't want anything to do with it and it's getting harder and harder to get quality people into the in-classroom positions. Why is that? Because that's part of the disconnect too. I know we want to focus on the kids, but you know, I don't want public schools to be bad. I don't want them to fail. I want them to succeed. I do want school choice, but I still want the best public schools we can possibly have. And we need to have both. If we don't have good quality teachers, none of this is going to work, right? Yeah, exactly. And the reason that we're not going to be able to have access to um, high quality teachers, or there's a lot of teachers leaving the profession right now, um, there's various reasons. One of those reasons that I can think of up to the top of my head is that we have increased this funding. Um, I know Ed Choice um, did a, a study called Back to the Staffing Surge by Marty Lucan, I believe. And they showed that our increase in spending from 1992 to 2016 was about 27%, but teacher salaries actually got cut 2%. And so the money that we're putting into the system is never actually reaching the teacher or the student. Instead, it's going into other administrative roles um, that don't directly affect the students' learning. And teachers, while I think they they deserve to be valued, um, I think ed choice or school choice, um, for that matter, is actually a better way to value um, their time and their expertise. Uh, think of Arizona, for example. They just created this universally um, expanded education savings account. Um, for those who don't know, an ESA is kind of like a voucher program, but it allows parents to use it on not only private school tuition, but also other online uh, curriculum resources, special needs therapies, um, basically any private education expense under the sun. However, this also takes out the middleman. So say a teacher in your local neighborhood um, wants to teach 10 or so kids, they're getting $70,000 and they can spend the money on some of the the books and resources and and still get paid a really um, great wage with probably a smaller class size than what they're having to um, deal with in the local public school. You know, different states have different scholarship programs. If you stay in state, you can go to a state school. There's programs like this, but it seems like we want to put more barriers to these types of programs than we want to lower barriers and get more kids in them. It almost feels like the system is working against itself, even with its stated goal, 
I think that's where people's frustration comes through. I think that's where some of the teachers' frustration comes through. And I know it's from, to be fair to them, although we bash them a lot, I know it's a frustration that legislators and Congress people have in trying to work on the system. Yes, exactly. And the thing is, the, the, some, one of the saddest parts is that who this affects most is going to be um, lower income families and, and their children. Because higher income families and their children are able to make a school, a school choice, if you will, just by buying a house because they're going to be assigned to um, the nicest public school if they have a, a house that is um, in a wealthier neighborhood. While families who can't afford it are going to be assigned to this failing public school that's not only failed them, but it's probably failed their parents and their grandparents um, for decades now. And so the families that are able to have access to the nicest public school are also going to be able to have access to um, private schools because lower income families can't pay twice for their public school education and their private school. It's just too tough. It's a tough burden on any family for that matter to pay um, twice for both a public school and a private school tuition. So why don't we we take down this barrier and open up this opportunity and level the playing field um, for these lower income families? And I think this is something that just makes sense um, for us to do. And I don't know why we don't continue to do that as West Virginia and Arizona have done. Yeah. And if you doubt what he's saying, just go on Zillow or any other real estate website. Look at the first item that's right under the price. It's always the school district without mm -hmm. exception. It's just the selling points, how it works. Cooper Conway bringing let's let's round this off by going back to where we started religious schools. I we we did a piece on this show a while back where they argued that things like freedom of the press and religion actually have to go together because those are the institutional bulwarks of a stable country. The freedom to worship how you want to and a press that can hold people accountable. Okay. Is the press our news media? I don't know that they're doing a great job of covering educational issues right now. And then you throw the religious aspect on top of it, which is to their, to be fair to them, always hard to cover in a pluralistic society is the debate and the discourse and the news media coverage of religious schools, just not where it needs to be to have a fair hearing for people. I'm not talking about the persecution people talk about online just because somebody doesn't like their view, but I do think we need to change how this conversation is being had. Do we do that with terminology? Do we do that with the tenor of the conversation? How do you think we improve how this issue is covered going forward? Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, that's a question that could be had really at large is trying to understand someone else's beliefs. Um, personally, I'm not Catholic. I'm not Jewish. Um, but I, it would take a while for me to go in before, you know, I criticize their schooling methods because I don't really understand um, their viewpoints or, or religious beliefs. And I think that that's something that journalists particularly should try and do um, before they write, you know, a hit piece or something like that on these schools, because they have different views and practices towards um, marriage, for example, if you will. So I think that's something that's a good place to start. And um, I think that can be had both from people that are, are consider themselves secular, but also um, religious as well. And then if we're able to at least kind of extend this olive branch and, and try and make peace with another person's beliefs and say, you know, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I'm going to let you practice how you want. Um, that's going to go a long way. Yeah. The eternal struggle in America is where do my rights start and your rights stop? And that's just this is a great extension on that age old argument, something we need to be very cautious of and we also need to be respectful of and it's something we just got to work out as a society cooper conway great stuff as always buddy let folks know where they can follow you and keep up with you until we get you back again yeah you can follow me on twitter at cooper conway one and then you can see um all my writing and uh, media pieces on the young voices website with my headshot um 
over over the top of it. So um, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it as always. He's the one with the glasses and the hair. You'll know what I'm talking about if you're not watching us on the YouTube. You're a good friend. I always enjoy having you on. Let's do it again. I'll make it so long next time, buddy. Talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All the music on her tell is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.